Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. Well, last week uh, I gave Cody this great, <laughs> great passage of scripture uh, talking about circumcision. Uh, how we have any um, kid, young children in here? We have a few. I see Kyle. All right, I'll be. Uh, well, and it's broadcasting live. Man, I gotta love it. If you only heard what I said at the nine o'clock hour, uh, thank goodness you won't. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 dance around that, you know, lightly. You know, just based on the subject material. Anybody who says the Bible isn't interesting, I know that when people say that, they're not reading the Bible. The Bible's so boring. How can you read an ancient book like that? And I just smirk, because then I know that that person doesn't read the Bible, because it's wild. I mean, it is like, it's, it's wild. Um, and, and that passage was no exception, but maybe I'll, we'll talk about some of these uh, little, excuse me, little hobby horses uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm inspired this morning. So we'll see where we go with this. Um, instead of starting off, I, I changed it up a little bit. Uh, sorry, Ryan. I'm going to do it again. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 27. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, what's going to be on the screen is chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Uh, but I want to get a little bit of a running start. Uh, considering where, where Cody started uh, and left off last week and then um, we're not reading the whole text, but really today's message is all of chapter five and just that brief little bit of chapter four. So I'm going to pray and we're going to we're going to jump in. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. You've been so good, uh, Father. Better than we deserve, um, considering we deserve absolutely nothing. Father, we are sinners. We are um, absolute. Uh, just at, at this point. People that, that just mess things up. And Father, if it's left to us, uh, we just tear things apart. We tear this world apart. We are stuck in our ways. But Father, you chose to step out of your perfection, out of your home, and save us again from our own devices, from the wiles of the enemy. And Father, because of what you decided to do, we have another chance we have a, a second chance at life. And Father, I pray that if there's someone watching online or someone here in person today that doesn't know you, that doesn't understand the magnitude of your love and grace, that today they would feel that, understand it, embrace it, and declare their loyalty to you. Father, the best decision any human being can make is to believe in and trust and declare their loyalty to the God of our universe, which is you. And so, Jesus, we ask for you to go before us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come, heal those that need healed. Give us wisdom. Help me, to Father, to just not say the things I shouldn't. Direct my path this morning mentally, my words. Uh, Father, we pray that you would just use it to 
for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get a running start. Exodus chapter 4, verse 27. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, go and meet Moses in the wilderness. Now this is right after the whole bridegroom of blood scenario where uh, Moses is essentially saved because of his wife. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, right after that, excuses are over. He's, he's now back into the covenant, essentially. Uh, he was circumcised as an Egyptian. You know, based on his upbringing, we, we can surmise that. And so there was a need for him to be circumcised in a, a covenantal fashion, to be a part of the Abrahamic covenant. And, uh, you know, considering the circumstances, the Lord wanted him where? In, in where? Does anybody know? Huh? Egypt. The Lord wanted Moses in Egypt. So you can see that if he were to have been circumcised, that would have delayed the trip a little bit. Can I get an amen, fellas? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, that would have been a little difficult. Uh, and so the Lord wants him in Egypt. So there's this like ceremonial circumcision that takes place where his wife circumcises his son, Gershom, and then she takes the foreskin and places it on Moses' feet, which is euphemistic for genitalia, which is what Cody covered last week. So ceremonially, uh, we believe that her taking her son's foreskin and touching Moses' foreskin, the Lord accepted that as he's now in the covenantal family, the Abrahamic covenant. He could not be, uh, you know, the one that was to set these people free as an Egyptian. And we have seen that, right? Moses has been in a transition from being an Egyptian to being an Israelite. And so now, not just the blood that runs through his veins, but his body has been uh, appropriately adjusted as a male that can now be in leadership, so to speak. So that's kind of what, what has just taken place. Zipporah, the Lord was angry with Moses. Remember, he's given excuse after excuse after excuse, and now there's no more excuses. You're in the covenant. You're, and, and there are other passages of Scripture uh, in the Torah, by the way, where the folks that come out of Egypt are uh, circumcised again. So this isn't a just a one-time thing that we see here. This is a, a thing that occurs again. Um, so the Lord takes his promises and his covenants seriously. So after that, no more excuses, Moses. Get to, you know, get to Egypt. So on the way, remember, he tells him, meet up with Aaron. So verse 27, I, this is so interesting. Uh, now the Lord had said to Moses, go, Lord had said to Aaron rather, go and meet Moses in the wilderness. And so he went and met him at the mountain of God. Now we are saying that um, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, it's the same place. Uh, the, the text gives it three, three different names, but it's all referring to the same mountain. And then it's also called the mountain of God. So we, we, can, you know, surmise that it's the same place, Sinai, and, and if you think about it, right, it's where Moses met God with the burning bush moment, and then the Lord says, I want everybody to experience this, right? I want everybody to come back to a Mount Sinai experience, and heaven and earth is going to meet again, and we're going to do this thing again. Well, before that happens, it's, it's another reenactment, so check this out. Moses meets, Aaron meets Moses there, rather, 
And Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say. And about all the signs he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Aaron repeated everything the Lord had said to Moses and performed the signs before the people. The people what? Believed. And when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them and that he had seen their misery, they knelt low and what? Worshipped. So there's signs, you know, let's walk through this. There's signs and wonders that are given to Moses. Moses shows them to Aaron. And what does Aaron do? He believes, he worships. Then they say, let's gather the elders of the Israelites. The elders are able to come and so, and you can kind of get this sense that there was a hierarchy and there are other verses in, in the Bible that explain this, that there were leaders of the Israelites that were kind of uh, go-betweens for the foremans that were taskmasters over the Israelites and then the leaders. So the, they had a little bit more freedom to move about in Egypt, it seems. And so these elders, they're able to come to the mountain and they're able to see the signs and wonders and then they what? Believe and worship. You know, this, this should be the desire for all human beings, to see the signs and wonders and believe and what? Worship. Everybody has an opportunity to see what God is doing. And, and mind you, this is a, a continuation, some of the same verbs here, Hebrew verbs, where, you know, she hears, Pharaoh's daughter hears the cry, she sees, and she does something about it. There's a connection to where we are moved, where we see what God is doing, and we make a, a movement towards him that's appropriate. Well, but there's somebody else here in the scriptures that are going to see the signs and the wonders, and he's not going to have this, it's not going to have the same effect on him. Does anybody know what his name is? Pharaoh, right? But I want you to see this, that they are able to make it out to this mountain. They see what the Lord is doing. And mind you, this is a, a prefigurement, essentially, that the, the New Testament will allude to this. The Jews are always folks like in Acts, uh, the book of Acts, that require, Paul said, they require a sign. They needed signs and wonders. Well, why is that? Well, you could see from the beginning, as they were God's covenant people, the Lord used signs and wonders to reveal himself to the Jews. Now, the Gentiles, they don't require a sign. You tell us, like non-Jew people, you just tell us, like, hey, uh, Jesus died for you. He's willing to save you. All you got to do is put your faith and trust, and we're like, where do I sign? <laughs> like, I'm in. God is good. You know what I mean? Like, he has gone before me. He, he did what for me? That's amazing. The Jews weren't like that. They required, I, I want to see something. I want a miracle to happen, right? And you can kind of see why, because this is how God has worked through those specific people groups for millennia, right? So this makes sense, uh, and, and you'll see that in the New Testament as well. Now let's continue. Chapter 5, verse 1. Later, Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, so they make their way to Egypt. 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people what? Real famous, right? Let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh responded, who is the Lord that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I don't know Yahweh. (laughs) And besides, I will not let Israel go. They answered, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness. Look what they're asking for. So that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, or else he may strike what? Us with plague or sword. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get to your labor. Pharaoh also said, look, the the people of the land are so numerous, and you would stop them from their labor? So you see what's on Pharaoh's mind, right? Now, uh, a part of this is just so, it's gut-wrenching from one perspective. We know the rest of the story. You ever get this sense, right, where you can watch someone make a decision, you can watch someone make a string of decisions, and you just look at it and you're like, I can't not, I can't look away. This is so bad, right, that this is going to explode in their face. And, and it's like, you can say it, you know, as often as you have an opportunity, as loud as you have an opportunity to say it, but they just aren't hearing it. You know, being a youth pastor for, for many years, I would tell young people all the time, like, that's a dumb move. <laughs> like, don't do that. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Now being a pastor for many years, I tell adults, <laughs> like, don't do that. And sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. Grown-ups are really no different than teenagers. In fact, it's, well, anyway, <laughs> it's easier working with teenagers. <laughs> it's way easier. Why? Because, you know, we get a little bit of experience under our belt and we think we know. We think it'll be different this time for us. It's not. It's the same tricks. The enemy's been using the same tactics for years and years and years. And it works. Why? Because we're like sheep. He opens a gate in front of us and we're like, bah. Walk right on through. I surprised myself with that sheep impression. That was pretty good, wasn't it? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We're having fun. (laughs) So, but my point is, is like, and I don't know if you've read ahead in the book of Exodus, but it's devastating. If you were to tell Pharaoh, do you understand that your posture, your response, and the decisions that you're making are going to cost you your firstborn son? When you think about it that way, the dialogue becomes way more crucial. Every response he has, you know what I mean, Rob? It's like you, you sit on the edge of, of it and you go, do you understand what they just said? The Lord has performed signs and wonders. What does that mean? It means the gun is loaded. He's ready. 
You got five, 600 years of slavery out of these people, but that is coming to an end quickly. And if you can just hear and listen to the grace of God, he's trying to say, hey, let them go. And, and even if there's like a way to debate this, we even prefigured this and showed you through your own daughter, right, that it can be done. You can't look away. And I thought to myself, like, man, that poor kid's not happy, is he? <laughs> if you're watching online, there's a kid screaming in the family room. Someone's probably pinching him or her. Listen, I, it's probably one of mine. Is it? That's so funny. He's not happy. He didn't sleep last night. We already covered this. There's a good chance it's one of mine because I have like 100 kids. <laughs> and my wife's pregnant. Isn't that awesome? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> You're like... You got way more excited about that than anything I've said about the message thus far. That's what's wrong with y'all. <laughs> the pastor's having a baby. We're talking about life and death stuff up here, and that's what you care about. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I know you felt, really, it was just, you felt bad for me. All of you felt really bad for me, like, oh, man, poor dude. <sighs> so you, you, think, you think about this, right? And, and you just look at him and you're like, okay, bro, this isn't going to end well. And when I think about all the folks in my own lives, I was talking about this this morning. This is kind of sad, but like every mentor I've had, like in, in ministry, has really screwed up big time. And, you know, we're talking about like my pastor growing up the pastor where I went to Bible college, the first pastor I worked for out of Bible college, a recent mentor of mine, all, I mean, that's just four, all massive moral failures that took them out of ministry. Every one of them. So what's the moral of the story? I'm not having any more mentors <laughs> because it's just like, it's gonna happen for them, unfortunately. I'm taking applications if you would like to mentor me. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, though. You know, and I think about it, it's like, at some point, this story can be taken two ways. It can be the lost, right? Pharaoh was lost, and he didn't know Jesus. And it could be us trying to love and be an example to someone who is absolutely lost without Jesus, and we're trying to show them that God is real and that he will do for them like he did for us. But then there's also the aspect of, like, there are people who know the Lord, and you know what you should be doing, but you're acting like Pharaoh. And I thought about that from, like, two perspectives today. And so that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit. I just want to chat with you. Think about Pharaoh. Think about his posture. Think about his perspective. Let's look back at the verses. It says, you know, the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. But Pharaoh responds, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Let's get a real good perspective of this. 
when the Lord shows the Israelites, the elders of Israel, the signs and wonders, there's a right response. And that right response is belief and worship. I believe it. I can't unsee it. And I'm going to worship him. He is the true God of Israel, right? And then there's Pharaoh's response. And here's what I'm seeing from Pharaoh. If you understand the Egyptian pantheon, Pharaoh is like the son, I believe he's the son of Ra, the sun god. And Cody talked about the position of being the son. If you think about Jesus, Jesus wasn't born. He is and always has been and always will be. In, in the eternality of the Godhead, Jesus exists as a member of that trinity. He was not created. Uh, false doctrine says that Jesus was born and created and that he's a prophet. That's false doctrine, right? It's not about saying he was born into. It's about he's positionally the firstborn of God. He's positionally the firstborn among every creature. So what does that mean? It means that as he becomes what we could not become, he is the first fruits of all that will be saved from him. He lived out what we could not live for ourselves. Positionally, he is the firstborn. And we can see the fight for the firstborn in this story. Do you see it? If when we get to Passover, and we're going to get there around Good Friday, if we see the the idea that the blood was not applied, then you're giving your firstborn. The firstborn dies. Our God willingly gave his firstborn so that we could what? Live. So that we could go free. There, there, this is like some amazing stuff here. But the theological implications are, are they're rich and they're important. But for us to understand this specific story, we have to see that we have to kind of like think how Pharaoh would have thought. And as Pharaoh is on top of the literal world, right, he's, he's at the top of his game. And he positionally, I'm in the position of the son of a God, and that makes me a what? A God. Hercules, Hercules. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm out of my mind today. I have no idea. What a great movie. <laughs> so positionally, he is and has everything that he needs to make his decisions. So when someone enters his life and says, you need to do this, he automatically goes, I absolutely don't need to do that. <laughs> Look around. I mean, have you seen Egypt? I mean, have you watched the recent ancient alien videos? They're all about my town. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, this is amazing. We are building through your people because you're really not a person to me. You guys are my slaves. <laughs> you work for me. Why are you telling me and your God? Your God's a great guy. He's lent me his people for 500 years to build this city. This is amazing. Think about it. <laughs> I'm Pharaoh. Why are you saying I need to do something? No, I'm a God. And before me, that Pharaoh before me, he sat in that position and he was a God. And we've got everything that we need. You know, it's funny to me that Christians compare your needs and what you have by how good God is. That's a mistake. What if God leads you into a season of famine? Is God not good anymore? 
What if it was by design? You see, (laughs) that's us taking a Pharaoh-like position, and they would oust Pharaoh if the Nile did not overflow. And we've talked about that before. His position of strength was predicated on his current life situation and circumstances solely. And his understanding was that he was the man and he had everything he needed. Man, how many of us Christians are living like that? And it's da- it is absolutely dangerous. Why is it dangerous? He's got it all. He has the protection. He has the people that are protecting him. He's got the best house. They're literally building him Pitham and Ramses. They're building him a big city for his funeral. He's got everything he needs in this life, and now they're working on his next life. That's how good he's got it. That's amazing. What does he need God for? (laughs) What do we need God for? We literally are just, we're so spoiled. It's just what you wanted to hear. I just want to come to church today so pastor can tell me how spoiled I am. (laughs) He makes me feel so good. You guys are horrible. (laughs) I'm kidding. But seriously. (laughs) Look, if we're not careful, as a pastor, I read this passage and I go, oh my goodness. Sometimes I'm Pharaoh. Sometimes I say, God, I'm good. I got what I need. We're golden. The story does not end well for him. He loses his firstborn son. Haven't we lost enough to our sin? Haven't we lost enough in this world to our reckless behavior? Why would you want to lose your marriage? Why would you want to lose your kids? Why would you want to continue to do it your way when God clearly shows up and says, I have a sign, I have a way, I have an understanding that you don't have. You still want to raise your kids on your own? You still want to do this by yourself? You still want to go down that path? It's sad. The dialogue is unique. The situation is one that knowing the rest of the story makes it even more ominous when it comes to the decisions that Pharaoh makes. What do we know? Here's what we know. We know this. Moses is now a covenant member of the Israelites. He is acting on Yahweh's behalf. You see this. He's acting. Amen. The Lord is calling. Who will answer? Moses is (laughs) Please, somebody answer. (laughs) There's a little button on the side of it, but if you hit it, it silences it. Moses is now a covenant member of the Israelites. He is acting on Yahweh's behalf. He's been equipped with the necessary tools needed to free the Israelites from their oppression. We know this. What else do we know? Moses has revealed the Lord's plan to the children of Israel, and they believed when they were shown the evidence of the Lord. Uh, Amen. (laughs) And they believed when they were shown the evidence of the Lord hearing and caring for them. This is what we know. The story continues. Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh meet. Moses tells Pharaoh, the Israelites, don't miss this part. This is so interesting. Moses tells Pharaoh that the Israelites, and, and unless I'm reading this wrong, which is a possibility, but the way I'm reading it and the way I see it, Moses frames this to Pharaoh and he says, we are going to be judged if they are not able to leave and worship their God. So I have a few observations from the story. Here's the first observation. 
God is not a respecter of persons. The Israelites aren't safe because they were God's chosen people, but they were safe because they were obedient and worshiped Yahweh. All right, all you youngins, sit, sit tight. Come on, find a seat and put it. You don't have to pee that bad. Did you hear what I said? Unless you were distracted. God is not a respecter of persons. The Israelites came to Pharaoh and they said, hey, we're God's chosen people. We can do whatever we want. Let us go. Is that what they said? They said, hey, we're God's chosen people and we better go worship God or he's going to be righteously indignant with us. Why is that? And why is that? That sounds kind of mean of God, doesn't it? Sounds kind of mean because God, literally, your people have been in captivity for like, what, a thousand years? And then you're going to say, hey, guys, if you don't get out real quick and worship me, I'm going to be the one putting a hurting on you. Well, that's nice. It, it wasn't injustice because God equipped them to do what God was asking them to do. God gave them signs and wonders He gave them above and beyond what Moses thought was necessary. He said, I've completely equipped you to come and worship me. I've given you everything you need. Now, don't waste it. And I wonder how many of us are in this situation where we think just because, now don't get mad at me this morning, it doesn't do anybody good, okay? We think That just because we are saved, we've been delivered from our sin, that we don't have to do what God wants us to do. We think that God is so good, I go to church once once a week, whatever, I go to small group, you know, I send encouraging text messages. Christianity's gotten really easy for us, hasn't it? (laughs) It's like, what's your level of Christianity, Uh, you know, a thousand years ago? You know, I... I got beat for my, faith, for my faith today. I got to show my faith, and I got 40 lashings. I'll probably, it'll take me probably six months to recover from the beating I received for my faith. God is so good. Modern day, today. <laughs> A coworker was mean to me because he saw that I checked in online at church. We are pitiful. We show up and we're like sitting around in heaven, whatever that's going to be like. And we're like telling our stories and Paul walks in. Dude, what are you going to say? Well, I had a tight schedule, you know? I really did. I had a tight schedule. Look, we got to get out of our complacent. This is some truth. The point is, is that God completely equipped them to get out of Dodge and go worship him. They didn't have an excuse. Listen to me, church. God has equipped you. He has given you what you need to worship him. Stop making excuses. It is not about your position. And I know some people will, will like flag this theologically, but I think you should understand what I'm saying. Yes, our position in Jesus is why we are able to worship and do, but it ain't about you. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's been a shift in the atmosphere. From Pentecost forward, 
the Lord is re-inheriting the nations. He wants people from every tribe, every tongue to come and worship him. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not about you exclusively. It's about the body of Christ collectively. It's about unity. All of Paul's letters are Gentiles and Jews. Y'all need to get along. This thing ain't going anywhere. God loves everyone. And so what I want to point this out is, is the Israelites, Moses' conversation to Pharaoh is, is if we don't get out there and worship him, we're in trouble. Y'all need to take that to heart. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, guess what? You in trouble. Make sure of your faith. You try the spirits. You make sure you're doing what you're supposed I'm just... I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I mean, glory to God. I mean, I show up, I do my thing, you know. God's so good. Are you that? Are you what you are in public, in private? I mean, yeah, he's real good and he wants you to worship him. But are you worshiping him on Monday? Are you worshiping him when you're alone with your phone? Are you worshiping him when your kids make you angry and you want to yell and holler? Oh, my goodness, Lord, forgive me. There it is. Are you the same whether you are in front of people or behind closed doors? Are you worshiping him today and are you worshiping him tomorrow? Moses said it is imperative that we all get out in the wilderness and worship him. Why? Because he's equipped us to worship him and he's worthy to be praised. And I got to go and I got to give him that praise and I got to give him that worship. Why? Because he's made a way. You know what? The church of God is out of excuses. We're out of excuses. I'm looking for a place to serve. How long have you been looking? The better part of a year. (laughs) I'll find it. The Lord will show me. How about you just find something now, and if you don't like it, the Lord will give you something in another month. Just get busy. If it was up to you for a whole people group to be out of exile, would they ever get out? If it was up to Moses, would they have gotten out? The answer is a definitive no. Look, do you understand that what you do is directly affecting someone else? We have forgotten this. We are so egocentric, narcissistic, focused on ourselves. We've forgotten that God uses us to love and reach other people. Moses says, we gotta get, we have to go. We, he didn't say, Pharaoh, you are horrible. You are in, uh, doing injustice. We're leaving. That's not what he said. Why? Don't get mad at me. Let lost people be lost. It didn't surprise Moses that he was enslaving people. And it ought not surprise us when bad people are bad. Pharaoh, you should let him go. Well, yeah, (laughs) but I'm Pharaoh. This is what I do. Look around. (laughs) I kill people. Whoop-de-doo, we've been doing it for a long time. You know what God is most concerned? God is not concerned with lost people being lost. He's concerned about people that have been set free going back to bondage. 
And the Lord said, I equipped you, I delivered you, and you just keep walking back to the graveyard. I just like it here. I like to have my morning coffee and stare at the headstones. <laughs> I like to think about all that I missed out on when I got saved. I like to think about all the sins I could be doing right now. We're dumb sometimes, aren't we? But we don't connect. We don't connect our bad behavior with that. We don't see it's, <laughs> y'all are like, whoa. What did he eat? Or I told you I didn't sleep last night. This is just PM in the raw. You know what I'm saying? Look, we've got to get a hold of this. We really do. We've got to get a hold of this. God is not a respecter of persons. He required things from them. He requires things from you. That's my first observation. That took a while. Sorry. <laughs> Number two, my second observation. The Egyptians would have been safe if they would have obeyed Yahweh. Do you understand that? They lost would have been safe if they would have just obeyed. We have to see the Lord's working. And I, and I say this because I think there are some people, uh, uh, yeah, you get hung up on, on theological um, ideologies, like saying that Pharaoh was predetermined to do these things, like the Lord controlled the narrative of Pharaoh's hard heart. I don't see that. I see Pharaoh making a bad decision. And then I see the Lord knowing the bad decision that he was going to make. And then the Lord continuing to up the ante each time. Here's what I see. I see God giving him chance after chance after chance after chance. Oh no, God did all of that because he wanted to show how incredibly just he is. I get that and Pharaoh deserved every bit of it but that's not what I'm seeing. I see God systematically undoing the pantheon of Egypt. Him systematically saying, Pharaoh, you're gonna trust in your gods. And let me explain something to you that's not gonna end well for you. Hmm. God's not a respecter of persons. If the Egyptians would have obeyed, everything would have been fine. Here's the third thing I see. Pharaoh takes the position that Yahweh is no one to tell him what to do. That is, that what, that's what stuck out to me more than anything in this passage. He says this, who is the Lord that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I get a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach just from reading that. I'm like, oh. And it's the same feeling that I get when I see people make dumb decisions. I'm like, it's really not that complicated. It's not, life is not that complicated. Men that make really, and, and look, I publicly, I have a public ministry of preaching and teaching. You know, the Lord called me to this. It's not that I like doing it. The Lord's called me to this. That's why I'm here. And if the Lord says, I'm not calling you to preaching ministry anymore, I would be fine swinging a hammer every day. Like, I'm, I'm just a bumpkin carpenter. That's it. And I'm completely content with whatever the Lord has for me. But I do have a public ministry of preaching, and it's weird, right? And I think about it. Um, and so I, I, I share things here publicly, and I know that that means it's a glass house. I could fall tomorrow. I could make a mistake tomorrow, just like my, the folks that have gone before me. And I would hope that you would have grace for me and know that I'm just a human being that makes mistakes. But Lord willing... That ain't going to happen. If I can keep the bumpers up, the bowling ball is going to make it to the end. 
You know what I mean? And, and what I'm saying is, it isn't complicated. You can watch people go, oh, I'm all right, and push the bumpers down. You think you're slick. I like this bowling analogy. This is really good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You think you got it. You got a few strikes. I mean, how many like the bowl? Anybody? I mean, it's my thing. Just kidding. It's really not. It was when I was younger. <laughs> but it's like when you, when you let that thing go, and you can cross 14 boards, it just it feels so good with that strike. You know what I mean? And that's what happens. The Lord uses you to do good things, and you forget that you're just the stinking ball that the Lord threw. And you're like, man, I'm, <laughs> woo, check me out. Did you see me knock all those pins down? That's son, yeah. Throw me again, Lord. Yeah! Did you see it again? I did it again. Strike two. We about to get a turkey. Shoo! You're just the ball. Your success is predicated on the person throwing the ball. We forget that because we're as dumb as a bowling ball, right? And we don't connect the fact that the Lord is doing it all. And so then we're like, yeah, take the bumpers down. We got, we got this. Think about it. It's that simple. You are no better than the person who came before you and the person that will come after you. Let me explain something to you. We need more strikes in a good way. We need the Lord to be able to throw us and do some damage to the world. We need more good marriages. We need to set an example of what it's like to love a spouse and walk through a hard time, walk through loss. The world needs to see us lose in life and still win. The world needs to see us raise our children right. Some of y'all forget that you're raising God's kids. And you need to remind yourself that they're not your children, Hannah. That child belongs to the Lord. So therefore, your opinion of how it should be done doesn't really matter. This is what matters. And are your kids representations of this? Or are they not? And if they're not, stop. Do it right. No matter what the culture says, what, it, what does it matter? What, oh, we just want to give our kids everything that we didn't have. Great idea. Great, great idea. What's, what's your, <laughs> what does success look like to you? My kids not having to struggle. Wonderful. Because the Lord says, pick up your cross and follow me. And so when it comes time for your children to pick up their cross and you've trained them not to struggle, they're going to be like, I'm out. And that's what statistically is happening. Our children, our young people, they're leaving the church in droves because they want an easy life. Christianity is not easy. Christianity is about your enemy taking advantage of you and you loving them through it. 
And how do you model that for your kids? By being taken advantage of and saying, it's okay. The Lord knows, sweetheart. He is, he will go before us. He is our strong tower. We don't have to worry. He's not a respecter of persons. When an Egyptian does what an Egyptian does, I don't get bent out of shape. I'm just going to go back to the mountaintop and worship a while. Man, whether you know it or not, that is good. Man, we've got it so backwards. The Lord has a purpose for you and I. He's got a plan. Let's stop looking at culture today as the problem, and let's own the problem. Let's stop getting mad at lost people for being lost, and let's start acting like people that have been found. Pharaoh doubles down on his claim. Why did I shut my Bible? That was dumb. There we go. Pharaoh doubles down on his claim to the Israelites and forces them to work harder and longer with no chance of freedom. The end of the story, this is something here, man. This is it. I'm, I'm, we're landing the plane. If you have your Bibles, look at the end there. It says, verse, uh, let's go verse 17. But he said, you are slackers. Remember Pharaoh is calling him out. That is why you are saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Man, this is so applicable. Once again, the world does not understand why we worship and why we do what we do. So who cares what the world says? Y'all are slack. I just don't like it when people call me slackers. I just don't like it when people, right? It's not about the slacking aspect. It's about the fact that God knows your heart. You don't have to make everybody happy and pleased with what's going on in your life. Just serve the Lord. He says, you're slackers. That's why you want to go. Now get to work. And here's what Pharaoh does. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the same quantity of bricks. The Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told you cannot reduce your daily quota of bricks. When they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who stood waiting to meet them. May the Lord take note of you and judge, they said to him, because you have made us reek to Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hands to kill us. So Moses went back to the Lord and asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for, for this people? And why did you ever send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name. Oh, man, you are awesome. Thank you, Joel. Ever since I went to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you haven't rescued your people at all. Now, I'm going to stop there because next week, the, the, the phrase that's in chapter 6, we're going we're gonna to just spend next week on that. But here's what I want you to see. Pharaoh doubles down on his claim to the Israelites and forces them to work harder and longer with no chance of freedom. What I see here, they're making bricks, and Pharaoh supplies them with straw, whether that's for the fire or whatever. It makes their job easier. And so Pharaoh says, no straw. You want to go worship your God for three days? You're going to make the same amount of bricks, and you're going to do it without the straw, without with what makes your job even easier. You're going to do it without that. Him doubling down on his claim. Three observations about Pharaoh. And if this is you, change. 
do something about it. How many know that your marriage could be better? How many know that you could do a better job at raising your kids? If you're like, no, I can't, I'm killing it. See me afterwards. <laughs> you probably think that everybody's a winner too, don't you? <laughs> anyway. No, one person wins, the other person what? The pharaohs of the world do not value the relationships of others. They don't. He said, I'm God. You're a servant. I value you for what you give me, not for you being who you are. Is that us? Have we turned into that in churches? Do we just look at how, what people give us? and what people, Has that transition in your mind happened in your marriage that it's only good when she has your breakfast the way you like it on the table? This relationship is predicated on what I receive from you, not the fact that I just want to be in relationship with you because I love you. Pharaoh, that's how Pharaoh looks at relationships. I'm a God, you're a servant. Should we look at relationships that way? The pharaohs of the world only value what, what they are able to take from others for themselves. Hey, let me say this. Don't be a pharaoh. Don't be a pharaoh. The pharaohs of the world are able to make believers question. This is where we'll end. The pharaohs of the world are able to make believers question the will of God for their lives. Here's the statement. Don't be sidetracked. You say, what? For real? How do I know that? Let me just sum it all up right here. God meets with them in the mountain. He equips them to do the work of worship. He equips them to get out of there. And Pharaoh does what Pharaoh does, and he doubles down. He takes their straw, and he makes life immediately harder for them. And here's what they do. They complain, and they get sidetracked. <laughs> Wait a minute. Didn't you just meet with God? Didn't God tell you himself that I have a plan for you? I have a purpose for you? Don't you think the enemy is listening? Don't you think the enemy hears when I'm about to do something for you? And they turn up the heat and wait, oh, no, 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 I'm going home. Ugh. Lord, give us a grit. Lord, give us men and women that are able to make bricks without straw. Lord, give us men and women that are able in our churches to say, the devil can take, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know I've got to work. I know people need to hear the gospel, and I know it worked. They're taking advantage of me. I know what they're doing is making an example out of me, and you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm not going to get sidetracked. What would have happened if they didn't go back to Moses? We all know what Moses is going to say. Lord, you said you were taking us out of here and you're not doing it. That guy's weak, man. <laughs> From the get. I just can't talk. Okay, here's Aaron. Don't get sidetracked when pharaohs do what pharaohs do. I have this like person that I've been praying for all year. 
well, shoot, it's been longer than that, probably a year and a half. Been praying for his salvation every day. Like, Lord, save him, save him, save him. And you know what? Like, things have happened where I have thought in my mind, like, I've lost ground in my relationship with him because of certain things. And the Lord, when I read this this week, it was like affirmation for me. The Lord's like, don't get sidetracked. You don't know what I'm doing in his heart. You may think that he's not thinking or responding, but that's my job. You're just the bowling ball. Let me throw you again. Let me throw you again. Let me throw you again. When, when Pharaoh said, I'm taking your straw, you still got to make the same amount of bricks. We lose a job. We have a health issue, God forbid. Life gets tough. Mm -hmm. One of our children makes a really bad decision. What do we do? We run back to God and say, God, you're not fair. God says, no, I've given you everything you need. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep serving. It's going to get rough. The devil has had a grip on this world for a long Evil is present. But let me explain something to you. The Lord wins. Give him the name. Even when you aren't doing the work of the Lord, the Lord is watching. Even when you are being oppressed from the enemy, even when you're being oppressed from the enemy, you are exposed and are exposed to the darkness. The Lord is watching. Even when you feel like quitting and turning to what is easiest, don't quit. Just be faithful to the Lord. Why? Because he is. He has proven that he can and he will. You know, everything in the middle ground is the Lord's. When I say the middle ground, here's what I'm saying. Some of you aren't to that victory yet. You're in the space where you're like, am I doing the right thing or am I not? Let me explain something to you. The Lord owns the middle too. The Lord owns the time before the victory is had. Just keep going. One more step. You understand what I'm saying? The Red Sea's coming. It's coming. But you'll never get there if you don't trust the Lord. I think we're sidetracked. I think the church of God is sidetracked. I believe that. Here's a verse. No one can serve two masters. Since he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and what? Money. Wealth. While you're at work, you're still serving God. You understand what I'm saying? While you're doing the thing out there, that is church too. It's church on display. It's more church out there than it is in here. You get filled up in here to go out there. Here's another one. The difference between Pharaoh and Jesus. Matthew eleven thirty. for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Yes, thank you. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody say amen. We serve a good God. 
Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.